0: Hello. Hey Rebecca. How are you today, Abby?
1: Good, how are you? (laughs) Great. Are you feeling Uh, the Christmas spirit today? Uh yeah, totally.
0: I'm it's December twenty-fifth today, right? So
1: Yep, that is the day that (laughs) this is (laughs) in time right now. Time is totally meaningful and not a flat circle. (laughs) Right. It's in our time
0: machine. This microphone is my time machine.
1: Exactly, I keep worrying something like because we record about a month in advance. I keep thinking something mega crazy is gonna happen that we're it's gonna be really weird that we aren't addressing it. You know, <laughs> it's like oh, remember that asteroid that hit Earth yesterday?
0: Oh my gosh! I welcome Bartleby's the asteroid. Currently barking. In the background. I can hear him. Yeah. What is I'm he barking so at? Um, his own shadow. I'd say I have a um. A nervous wreck of a dog who, like, is set off by the slightest of things. And right now, Caesar is not home, and he doesn't like that I'm in the closet. I might need Come on, to sausage.
1: problem.
0: He's a sausage dog, for sure. And so, like, there might just be wind whistling in the hallway, and he's like,
1: no, 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 no. Not on my watch. Why did you name him Bartleby, or was that already his name?
0: Uh, no. When we adopted him, we, he was like... Uh, like a few... Mu- he was like maybe... I think he was probably like six months old when we adopted him. And they found him by himself and they were calling him mystery. Ugh. Can you imagine? Um, gross. Mysteries because have- he's like... He had his tail clipped when they found him and so they don't know like where he came from. He was obviously like a bred dog. But he was by himself, like he wasn't with other dogs or a litter or anything. So I don't know where he came from. I think he's an alien. Honestly, he's got like a big fat body and like a tiny little head. His head is so tiny. Yeah, his head is very small. He's really and he's cute. very anxious. He has attachment issues, and so when one of us isn't here, he he like is either mopey and sad or upset and angry. So sounds like we me. didn't give him any. Yeah, we didn't give him any CBD today. So. He's a little oh my extra. gosh, did you
1: see on Instagram, Martha Stewart just dropped, like, a line of CBD gummies or something? For I've... humans or dogs? Oh, humans. But I just oh. was like, late capitalism, am I right? Blurg. Anyway, I think he's calmed down for now. But Bart. Sorry,
0: Adam. My bad.
1: Whatever. Oh, and
0: we caught, I wanted, Bartleby has always been one of my favorite names ever since I read that Herman Melville story. Bartleville Bartle, Bartleby the scrivener
1: I don't, don't know why it.
0: even it's a very it's a story about depression depression a guy like literally starves himself to death. that's the story um so it's not upbeat and it is nothing like Bartleby's personality, but I just really like the name and then when we got him, I was like I don't know he's a weird dog, let's name him this weird name that I like and Caesars like, okay, sure so.
1: Did Caesar throw any ideas in the ring for his name?
0: Not really any that I remember, no. It was really, I really helmed this. And then every every time that someone's like, what's your dog's name? I say it, and they're like, Barnaby?
1: Brattleby? Bart? What? They, I don't like, feel no like, what I'm saying. that's so weird, because I feel like it's not like a common name, but I feel like it's in my collective, or in the collective consciousness. I'm like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. a, like a name. Yeah, sure.
0: Yeah, but
1: uh, Bart—it's better than like Fluffy or
0: Spot or something, right? I don't
1: so. know. Fluffy or Spot could be like ironic, ironic, right? An ironic name, but whatever. Dog pet names are yeah. so much pressure. It's like, oh, what if I don't think of the perfect one? It's like just whatever pops into your head, you know? It's like naming humans. Whatever they can change it's it. It's totally want. irrelevant. It's completely <laughs> like it has no grounding in reality. It doesn't mean anything.
0: Right. We're just, like, making noises with our mouths at each other, and we assign yes. oh, one we of them do. to, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. But I always name my, my, we've always, like, us as a family named our pets people names. Like, they've never had, like, except for my first cat's name was Marmalade.
1: That was, like, the. That's pretty cute. Biscotti is orange. the first pet I've had with a non-person name. Charles mm-hmm. just was Charles when we got him, and I don't know. He just—he looks like a Charles. He, he has does. This He's stately. Tuxedo. He's very stately. I'm sorry. <laughs> <Are you> okay. <laughs> I don't know. I just tried to breathe, and it was like, nah. Whoops. So, Merry Christmas or Happy Hanukkah to those who just finish Hanukkah on the eighteenth. Um, whatever you celebrate, whatever makes you feel good, we're happy that you're here with us. Christmas is bullshit, but I also love my Christmas decorations and my Christmas garbage, and I like celebrating the holiday. It's nice. Right. Whatever. I think we're
0: we're secular Satanists, right? But, like, we were both raised by Christian parents, so we've yeah. got these holdovers from
1: that are fun, you know, whatever. It's cool when you, like, remember your childhood when you grew up in Christianity, and you're like, oh, oh I escaped a cult. But Whoops. they don't talk about it. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> right. I was talking I mean, about the- it
1: with my book club yesterday. And we were talking about like Pentecostals because I was talking about uh, real ones. No, the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City just came out. And one of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City is a Pentecostal first lady, which is a pastor's wife. And she married her step grandfather because her oh, grandmother God. put it in his in her will, that she wanted the, like, family Pentecostal church dynasty to continue, and she wanted, like, one of her daughters to marry her husband. So this lady's just, like, married to her grandpa, and she's
0: a Ew. Pentecostal
1: church, like, first lady. That's gross. It's super gross, but it's, like, really good TV. Um mm. But I was talking about just, like, the things they tell you in Christianity that are so normalized in our society and so accepted in the sort of like consciousness of America that they don't seem weird. But then when you step back from it and get away from it, you're like, whoa, what?
0: (laughs) What? Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't, my parents are Catholic. My dad is still very, very Catholic. He has like his rosaries and he puts Mary over every doorway, like entrance and like, you know, that's his thing. He's also like a very non-judgmental kind of person and my mom was raised catholic my brother and sister both did the whole communion thing but i never did so i think that's why i'm like deeply rooted and my sister is too so it's like they
1: just gave yeah, up on you or
0: they were just like i don't know. I was Another like one? so much later yeah <laughs> then everyone else was like god i thought we were done with communions fuck this kid she can hail satan if she wants and i was like okay cool okay cool
1: praise yeah. him
0: and yeah my parents are really liberal too so
1: my dad is a pastor, and I am a perennial disappointment to him for choosing sex before marriage, cohabitation before marriage, not believing in God or going to church. But I feel fine. I fight the good fight. If you need a yeah. religion to tell you to be nice to people, then you're busted up inside. Ooh, I don't know that we can be friends. But that's d- like d- you're. D- when I was talking when I was. First meeting Adam and, like, dating people. Believing in God is kind of a deal breaker for me. Like, Mm -hmm. and it's like, I it's there's nothing, you know, wrong with having religion in your life if you're, like, handling it responsibly. But it's just such a trigger for me that I could never, like, partner with someone that believed in Christianity and Jesus and stuff. It just wouldn't, I can't, can't do that.
0: Yeah, I don't, yeah, like, building your life with someone who, like, yeah, Caesar is of course. I mean, yeah, just like his us, religion just like is me. pot. <laughs> yeah, he loves he loves cannabis and all think wow. Bartleby. He's off on a tangent. I think we might have to pause for pause. just a quick pause second. There was a there was a trash
1: I heard the trash truck, truck yeah. backing up. I was um, I was checking my Instagram cuz you know, that's important. Of course. I like, okay uh I don't know we I, haven't even
0: started talking about anything
1: no yet. I mean it's fine I feel like our episodes are creepy creepy <laughs> creepily getting like longer and longer but we just like rambling we're just we need to get our lives under control can someone help <laughs> us
0: <laughs> truly okay so today we're talking about the 1974 classic cult classic and just regular classic black christmas which is one of my favorites
1: rebecca's choice for this sacred holiday praise him he is risen that's not the correct holiday but whatever that's easter isn't it yeah if you're happy jesus is here (laughs) put your hands in the air (laughs) so um yeah i'd never seen this movie I recently watched a 2019 remake that was kind of like wild. It was a little off the wall. I'll, I'll tell you about it more later. Uh, and I was like, oh, I love this movie. Like I watched this movie and Rebecca was like, it's my favorite. And then slowly over, you know, several text messages, it came to light that we were just like, weren't talking about the same thing, but then, <laughs> but then we added it to our list. And it's just it's the perfect December 25th movie. It's got something for everyone.
0: Truly. Unless you're looking for something with no white people, in which case you won't find that here, unfortunately. Yeah.
1: I mean, the closest we get to. Well, no, we do have a person of color. Um, Phil's boyfriend is black. And um, I think we do see some like black. We see background characters. Strolling down the street. Olivia Hussey is. Argentinian, which is like mm-hmm. pretty much white, yeah. but I mean, I don't know. I I get confused with um countries where there are like colonizer presences, like how you know, like here, yeah, like here. But um, I mean, yeah, it's just like
0: the makeup of.
1: If you're, of like I think she, I of... think she might identify as a woman of color. I don't know what Olivia Hussey is doing. She can do as she wishes. Whatever she wants. I like her a lot. Remember when she was Juliet? Yeah, that was the first version of Romeo and Juliet I ever saw. And I was like, wow, when you actually see them, the age that they're supposed to be in the play, it's kind of like, Creepy. ew. <laughs> yeah. um,
0: I watched it in high school, of course. Like, Me too, we watched, yeah. Uh, both of them. And the, we were all like, I remember all of us like making jokes about the cups that all of like the Montagues and Capulets were wearing. Oh like my God. During the, the Dick cups. Yeah. yeah.
1: I love a good <laughs> they like were pair of tights with type Dick Cup. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember the movie Ever After by any chance? I do with uh, Drew Barrymore. Yeah. It's like a. Ser- I almost said Drew Carey. <laughs> Drew Careymore. <laughs> it's like Not a long standing favorite of mine. And, um, There's a scene where the prince is playing tennis and he has like white tights on and the biggest cup in the entire world. And I think I saw it when it like before I knew what a cup was and I was like, what is happening? (laughs) It's so intense. What is that hiding? Yeah. I don't really remember ever after. Except
0: for that it was, like, when all movies were Cinderella movies for some reason, It like was in a the serious,
1: 90s. like, formative film for me. It's a film, not a movie. It's very serious. Uh, I rented it from Video World lots of times. Like, many, many times. Yeah. Are there Hollywood videos on the East Coast? There are, but we... Yeah. So, something funny about my hometown. There is, like, language in the town charter or some shit that says no... Um, like, chain stores can come in. So we didn't have, like, anything that That's was a cool. chain. There were only small businesses, like, you know, privately owned. So uh, our video store was called Video Worlds, but the guy that owned it was named Ed, so we just called it Ed's. We'd be going to Ed's. I grew up in a place where there was nothing but chain stores, so very different experience. I hope Ed is doing well and he's not dead. Uh-oh, who knows? No, it wasn't. I mean, he was, like, old when I was young, like a child. Mm. But, yeah, and, like, all the cool AV. It's, like, there's, like, AV kids and then cool AV kids, you know? Mm -hmm. So, like, the cool kind of sexy, like, rebel AV kids, they all work at the video world. Yeah. Mm. And there was a beaded curtain to the porn section. Ooh, porn. Ooh, porn.
0: They never – see, like, I only went to, like – Hollywood video and blockbuster, where they didn't have a porn section. I don't know where
1: you would. I don't know what. There's probably story a different went place to people buy went to get their porn, yeah. yeah, in the nineties, man, I'm feeling nostalgic. I wish I could walk the halls of Ed's once more, just once. Aww, it was fun. Video store. I were the loved best. that. Was I used where, to love going to rent videos. That's where serotonin came from back in the day. Friday Truly. night, you're getting pizza. You're renting a movie. It's definitely Sister Act or Sister Act Two.
0: God, or Sister Act Two, we own those
1: on VHS, so we didn't have to rent them. Humble brag, but you—we yeah, should uh, put like a Patreon level that's just like you going through your DVD collection. <laughs> no, it's so embarrassing. I was just gonna say that's like
0: Clerks. Half of the plot is like that they work in a video store, and I thought that it was a convenience never, store. It's a convenience store next to a video store.
1: All I remember is the, someone fucked a dead man, and that's just yeah. that's what happened. My
0: girlfriend just fucked a dead guy in the bathroom. I won't go through all <laughs> of the on. lines of the movie. Let's keep going. All right, so, so Black Christmas should we get to directed
1: to it. by Bob Clark, also the director of Porky's somehow and
0: a and a Christmas story.
1: It what
0: I'm upset Bob about Clark that
1: fact is from Florida, so we know he's trash. And then he became like a big shot in the Canadian film industry because he was like looking for somewhere to become a big fish in a small pond and for a place (laughs) where he could establish a tax shelter for himself. So he was like to Canada and then this happened. So let's get into it. So
0: we open at night on a house decorated for Christmas and then a font comes in. Just a beautiful you I thought do- you would have some fonts. You notes. know,
1: I love that. So I font. took a font break. <laughs> Ooh, I love to talk about typefaces and fonts. Yeah, it is so great. It's like it's like a gothic bubble letter font that has a little yeah. bit of like a mid-century splash. I just love it. Ooh, I love Truly. fonts. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so the frame stays on the house as we hear wind whistling and then Caroling that gets progressively louder. We see a dark figure walk up to the house and go inside. Next to the door, we see Greek letters. I don't remember. I think all I, I put I a note to Kappa? look it up, but
1: like I don't know the whole name, but I know they went by Kappa.
0: Kappas, yeah, the Kappas. Yeah. Um, I didn't. Fun fact, I have neither one of us were in a sorority. I've had a lot of experience with
1: Greek life in my life. No, definitely not. Can you imagine us in a sorority? Uh, yeah. I don't. I think we would like sleep in the basement, only be friends with each other, and alienate everyone yeah. else. Yeah. I think I would fit in – not that I don't
0: fit in with women or, like, different types of women, but I think I would fit in more at a fraternity. Like, I was all about the heavy drinking, like, during my college years. I was like,
1: let's get drunk. I feel like – Been drinking. Like, I work with lovely people, um, but advancement and development professionals are pretty, like, straight-ahead people to whom I cannot show, like, the sides of my personality that are – so deranged, but that like actually make up who I am, and I imagine being in a sorority a lot like being in development, you know? Right. I'm it's not. Just, like, a lot yeah, of there's women. like all
0: communications
1: majors, and
0: yeah, I'm like not ambitious enough for that.
1: Plus, you have or, to like, do stuff and like pay. I gotta, pay. Yeah, I don't want to pay to have friends. I'd rather have no friends. I than pay I, for I agree. I don't like really <laughs> thrive on having friends. <laughs> Which is why Thank he, you. you and I, I so are so well-matched yet. Yeah. Um, Last night so. I was literally like, stop texting me. I'm, I'm
0: trying to sleep. You did, <laughs> yeah. I know. And then I kept texting you
1: anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was really thirsty over Chris. We'll get
0: to Chris later. Uh, um, I
1: got into a lot of Google rabbit holes. And there's one I'm really excited to reveal. But it may be only interesting to me. I can't wait. I heard that Bartle, um, Bartle Bark.
0: God, I know. Bartle Bark. I'm so sorry. Adam, the audience, this is what having an anxious dog is like. Hey, Um, it
1: humanizes us because we're like, you know, we're stars and we're like on this other level for people (laughs) so it's good to have us like knocked back down till we're relatable. Right. Yeah. I also haven't showered today. Is that relatable enough? I haven't either. I showered yesterday because I was, I had to go into work to do a couple of errands and I was going to have to be around two people that I work with. And I was like, I know mm. they'll be wearing masks, but, like, the smell, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of showering, as we've established on this podcast already. I don't, like,
0: I don't ever want to get in the shower. But I like I'm in there, it I'm once like, I'm like hey, it, This is yeah. cool. And then I'm like, I don't want to get out of the shower Drying either. off is really
1: annoying because, like, Adam will get dressed when he's still got, like, water <laughs> on him. And I have to be, like, completely dry. Like, I sit in front of a fan for, like, 30 minutes to make sure, like, every crevice (laughs) is, like, bone dry. I do not like getting into clothes when I'm wet. Me
0: neither. It's uncomfortable. But I also have really long hair. So, like, I don't like getting into my clothes when my hair is wet. But I have, like, a nice jersey kind of slinky robe that I wear after. But then I'm cold. So then I sit in my blanket with my wet hair. It's a whole thing. mm -hmm. I got (laughs) a...
1: um, by the time this airs, I will have had breast reduction surgery. Exciting. <gasps> so um, exciting. But I got a nightgown, like <laughs> like a plaid flannel nightgown for after surgery because I won't be able to like lift my arms that well. And I look like fucking Ebenezer Scrooge in this nightgown. Like <laughs> I like just Aww. need a little nightcap and then it would be <laughs> perfect. And a lantern. And I do have the same attitude as Ebenezer Scrooge. So it makes some sense.
0: You want to know one of my favorite Christmas movies besides Black Christmas is A Muppets Christmas. I think we've talked about Muppet how much Christmas I love the Carol before. is
1: amazing. Did you know that they? Well, I'm sure we've talked about this because of Page Seven, but they cut out like the terrible, terrible, terrible love song from the DVD no. edition. <laughs> oh my god! We'll talk about it love the love line. It's a great movie. Marley and
0: Marley is like one of the greatest songs in existence
1: Michael Caine as Scrooge I just love it so much (laughs) Uh, (laughs) the dancing
0: I was just doing
1: it's really good I love that movie I think I might watch it soon
0: we my sister has three young kids and we're always like trying to get them into things that we liked when we were kids the Fresh Prince is the one that has taken the most they love it um fair it's amazing Uh, but last Christmas or maybe the Christmas before we tried, I was like, we're watching them up at Christmas Carol. I don't give a shit about what any of you little children say and they're like, no, we want to watch I don't know, Frozen for Frozen? the hundred millionth time. They like
1: Frozen, yeah.
0: And then I put it on and then they loved it and then they wanted to watch it again so
1: like, just A couple of years them. ago I don't remember who I was with but we were at my dad's house and we watched the VHS copy that we have and it was like <laughs> but we stuck with it and it's a good movie it's a good movie okay we have to uh, do our job
0: anyway let's get back to it i'll i'll stay on course this time uh so we are through the windows we see people around a fire and what appears to be a party and then we switch into a point of view of a heavy breathing person who's looking through the windows And then back inside the house, a woman in a fucking killer choker and a big blue button-up comes walking down the stairs. She's complaining about who left the goddamn door open. We're back to the point-of-view shot. The person is coming around the house and goes up the trellis. Um, Barb, who turns out to be the the woman in the killer choker. Margot Kidder. Margot Kidder, who I love. She's kind of a
1: screen queen, yeah.
0: Yeah, um, so she asks why she was the only one working, and she asks this bespectac- bespectacled couples, how I refer to them, about um, Santa suit and decorations, sounds okay, like they're preparing for, for a something. a community
1: event of some kind, yeah.
0: Yeah. So the phone rings, and a woman in gray yellow pants and a sweater with hands the on it, very hands. 70s. It is super yeah. 70s um answers she can't seem to hear them which is foreshadowing uh and then tells barb it's a long distance call for her and then barb takes it into another room the point the person point of view um we see them going into the attic through an open window it's super dusty in there they're kind of looking around there's Pause. a carousel
1: horse the what? shit in this attic is worth like hundreds of dollars i'm like get the to my Etsy shop. Like, I could sell yeah. all that shit for so much <laughs> money, <laughs>
0: honey. It was... The carousel horse
1: did look pretty cool. And, like, in pretty good condition. Fun fact. Slap my, up paint. There's a carousel museum in uh Plainville, Connecticut that I have a mug from that my mom and I went on a day trip Aww. to once. It's It was weird. If it's still there, I kind of want to go back.
0: <laughs> there's that... Like antique or like um, original carousel at Nantasket Beach in Hall, oh, yeah. Massachusetts, that I've been on several times. It's so scary and cool, and the Oregon music is very eerie. And but you can hear it fun. from down the beach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Nantasket so, is but-
1: the perfect level of white trash.
0: Oh my God. I used to live in Hull for a brief time I don't know how people in live in whole,
1: full the full year year round we went to
0: a street liquors shout out um <laughs> that's how I got through it they're, uh, they're probably
1: listening right now
0: <laughs> right of course we have so many south shore listeners um so Barb is talking on the phone to her mother and tells everyone to shut up and then she asks that you can switch over to the operator to ask for help with the connection on your line. Isn't that crazy? There's is is an operator wild, yeah. physically there. Do operators just um, so sh-
1: listen to everything you're saying? Yeah, I think uh, yeah. So. I would listen all day and like be writing like a screenplay of everything people mm-hmm. were doing. That'd be a cool screenplay, like Life of a Telephone Operator. Let's write it.
0: Uh, so we pan up as she's on the phone. We pan up the ladder to the attic and a woman uh, from the other we can hear like background noise a woman calling out that the party's over the point of view starts descending the ladder as we hear Barb talking to her mom about catching a train into the city next afternoon um, as a couple kisses goodnight right next to her this dude is in a serious fucking fur coat, that fur who is, coat is so as we dreamy. learn Chris who is also dreamy and the coat is dreamy um, and then Barb is in the background, talking, still talking, seems to be left out of her mother's plan. She calls. She says, "You're a real gold-plated whore, mother."
1: I like that um, line. Yeah,
0: it's a pretty good line. And then the guy in the fur coat says he'll see the woman next week, and she asks him to call before he comes. Barbara says she'll get some friends together to go skiing instead. Instead, and instead, and says she'll see her mother around. So. She's clearly doesn't have any familial plans. Um,
1: Barb is lucky. I don't know why she's so butthurt. Like Uh, poor,
0: she's still a young woman, you know? I know. Except that they're
1: all like 35.
0: (laughs) I know. They clearly look 30. Um, So Barb walks back into the other room and um, asks two of the other sorority women if they want to come skiing. And they both seem like concerned and they say yes. Even though we know that one of them, the the bespeckled one, Phil already has plans with her boyfriend, um, but the phone rings again, and hand sweater answers. Uh, Jess answers, and she shouts hello into the receiver several times, and her then shouts,
1: takes some getting used to.
0: <laughs> yeah, because it's like very spotty. Because just British, and then American again, and then um, and then and British again, sort of Argentinian, I guess. There's a uh, lot so, happening. Yeah. Yeah. So then, she calls to the other woman. It's him again, the moaner. Um, there's some Christmas music on in the background. "Hark the herald Angel sing," is playing softly on a record. Can you sing it for me? You want me to sing? Gross. No, I can't. Really? Because um, I
1: feel like you were doing it.
0: I can do it, not well. It doesn't sound good.
1: I. Uh, have a problem which is that you know i think that i've talked about this with you or someone who knows but my dad <laughs> is really into three different albums at christmas time one of them is like mitch miller's band which is like just a men's choir that's so bad uh, another one is we listen to the hallelujah chorus every year and the third one is he's really into the Mannheim steamroller christmas album do you know what Mannheim steamroller is it's basically no. like if steampunk, techno, and like Dream Theater had like a baby and that is the kind of music this is. Huh.
0: Are, are you okay? I, so that, No, I don't know what any of I'm like trying to paint a picture of like what it's like sound super that
1: is. like industrial electronic. Versions of Christmas music, and one of them is "Carol of the Bells," and I've been singing it for the past like three weeks. And every time I do it, Adam is like, "Please, God, like strike her down."
0: (laughs) I Caesar is the one who like goes around singing things, and I'm like, "Please, you're killing it." What is he singing these days? Um. He got really. He got back into Kid Cudi for a little while. He just goes around ruining every song. And there are songs that I only know because of him, because he's a lot cooler than I am. Like I wouldn't know any contemporary.
1: I'm very old, yeah. Music,
0: yeah. if it wasn't for him, so he's. Oh fuck! I forget what he's listening to now. He loves. He's like likes rap, and hip hop and R and B, the most. So. But every once in a while, it gets weird. You remember that um, song from like I don't know it's probably like eight years ago now. It's like the holes of my sweater. Do you remember that song? I'm like not gonna sing it no, for you. But no. it's pretty horrible. Let it's me like find very out. radio. Uh, the like holes rock alternative. of my
1: sweater. Yeah the neighborhood
0: sweater weather yes yeah uh-huh. yeah okay so listen to it after this podcast and i he played that song to death and he just put it on when we were in the car the other day and i was like this song song fucking sucked then it sucks now like please like, stop playing it
1: a cab and I'm then he's like
0: <laughs> he's like jamming out to it um oh my god anyway he did but then i i do bad british accents around the apartment so like
1: did you see the cute uh yeah your British accent's really good he put the cutest uh comment on our Instagram it made me like smile so hard so we're like again we're a month behind in time so we were (laughs) posting shit for our house of a thousand corpses episode and he Caesar Rebecca's husband and Rebecca were practicing the sherry moon zombie laugh together
0: Mm-hmm. And so I
1: posted the picture of Otis, and he goes, "Cute babies hoot and toot and laugh. And I was like, oh, <laughs> it's so cute. Caesar's the, okay, the best. Okay, we need to do our job here. We're 30 anyway, minutes
0: in. <laughs> let's, uh, okay, so heavy breathing and swallowing and moaning and choking noises and then uh Barb co- is making lewd comments to the girls. She says like he's expanding, quippy his and act. funny. Yeah, um, and the caller screams and says things like "Let me lick it, let me stick my tongue on it and lick it," and laughs and snorts, and then he starts saying "pig cunt," "Let me lick your pretty cunt." It's the whole thing.
1: Okay, um, I just want to pause. He says "pretty pink cunt." Pi- We're told that our cunts are supposed to be pink, but if you have a brown vagina, I am here for you. I do not have a pink vagina, and it really fucking is like damaging and shitty that the ideal for female genitalia is pink and like shaved and you know completely symmetrical. Because I have none of those things, like, and having a brown vagina, you know, it's tough. That's okay. It's okay to have a brown vagina. I agree. One time when a guy was going down on me, he asked me if I knew if my labia were, one, were uneven. I was like, "Fuck yeah, you. Yeah, I know. Is now the time to be pointing this out?" Gross. He's gross. Wherever you are,
0: I'm sure he didn't do it very well either. A
1: plague so. upon your house.
0: <laughs> um, so the women are so then as we're hearing all of this um licking talk, The camera's panning around to the sort of horrified faces of these young women. Um, really reveling in their their uh trauma? On the ease. Yeah, trauma. It's pretty traumatizing. Uh he also says, I'm like a tuna farm baby, which I kinda giggled.
1: Okay, there I feel like I was hoping (laughs) you picked up some of the ones that didn't. Uh, so Barb is amused and not as disturbed. I got that one.
0: Oh, yeah. My, my, do you want my fat? And then he says, do you want my fat cock? And Barb goes, oh, why don't you find a wall socket and stick your tongue in it? That'll give you a charge. That's pretty pretty clever. Um, yeah. So. And then she calls him a creep. And then he says in a totally different voice that he, I'm going to kill you. And then he finally hangs up. Um. And then Barb and Phil play it down while Jess and Claire, who is our virgin, who is somehow she snagged Chris in his beautiful fur coat. Um, they're You're not both, like other girls. Right. Um she's they're both clearly upset and then Clara says a town girl was raped a couple weeks ago and Barb says uh you can't rape a
1: townie, which offensive is, upsetting, and is classist. very offensive. Disgusting. Very classist. Um, like Barb, you have great bangs, but some things I just can't forgive. And that was She's she's nasty. a complex character. She sure and yeah, is. she's like a very
0: um, she also earlier on the call tells the caller to give a different sorority a call because they could use his his licks, which is also gross. His licks and dicks. Um, his licks and his his dick. Uh, so Jess chides Barb and says that Claire has had enough trouble fitting in, and Barb said she says, um, you know, fuck off. She knows she knows a professional virgin when she sees one.
1: So Barb, come on, you are, you're better Barb, than come that, on. Barb. Yeah. So there's then hear a knock on the door, and my um, favorite character, Mrs. McHenry, aka Mrs. Mac, enters. She Mrs. is Mac. fucking awesome.
0: She's calling for assistance because um, she's coming back home with gifts, and she's wearing a just a Justice, velvet puce hat with a hat. fur trim. It's that green color is just i said puce I don't, i'm not sure if that's right but listen i'm gonna go i think
1: it. puce is a really 70s thing to say so i'm gonna roll yeah. with that too so um, M- mrs Mac is the house mother which is i guess a thing that exists in greek life
0: we would never know we wouldn't um, know but i just know that because of movies uh so mm-hmm. the girls bring her into another room and say they shit they have a surprise for her upstairs we see claire um has found the cat whose name is claude
1: claude it's so cute my next I, hand to god and my hand to satan my next cat is
0: named claude i love claude he's so fluffy and white um and does not can't tell a dead body from a live one clearly um <laughs> so <laughs> i think later. charles and
1: biscotti would eat me if they had the chance and i want them to survive you know people right, they, you don't need your body at the end of the day they don't know claude's up there like everyone in the house is going to be dead soon. Claude needs to get it where he can. Like if you can snack right. snack baby. <laughs> <laughs> Although he was licking the
0: plastics. I don't know how how uh, yeah, and smart it's well, we can get into it, it or not, but <laughs> well, later on. <laughs>
1: Maybe. Maybe not. So
0: Yeah, so she finds. We should also point
1: out too that Mrs. Mac is famously a lush. She is visibly drunk constantly, and she always has a cigarette hanging out of her mouth. And this is how she is sort of like criminalized and made a mockery of in the plot. But I think we should all be so lucky to be visibly drunk with a cigarette. Hanging out of our mouths, yeah.
0: <laughs> I I uh, I love it. She, we'll get into when she starts looking for a booze that she's hidden around the house. Um, so she she's packing up, um, to go home for the Christmas holidays. Claire, and sorry, we seek Claire. Yeah, to we're still Claire. Clarify, do you get Claire, it? Claire, not <laughs> not Mrs. Mac. Uh, clarify that Claire is looking is packing up, and then we see a point of view again of a person from behind plastic covering, and Claire hears something and then sees the face of the person behind the plastic and for some reason goes towards it. Um, and then she she's calling out for Claude and then she's asking who's there and then hands come up and wrap her in this plastic and we just hear gasping for breath.
1: Just 100%. If you're like, something seems off, go get a knife or... Run out. A poker. Yeah. Just get out. Yeah. Get out. Um, and then downstairs, the girls have gifted
0: Mrs. Mac with a bright green moo that she clearly doesn't like, but she's being polite and she. Frankly, to... I would wear it, but whatever. It's uh, it's pretty atrocious. I didn't love it. I loved her other outfits, but. Um... They all call for her to put it on, and she uh, unwillingly does. And then they pan up the stairs, and we see the shadow of the man in the hallway. The girls start to clean up, and while the man goes back into the closet uh, with the girls upstairs. He creeps back into the attic. Oh, what did I say? Closet? It's closet. Yeah. I'm sorry. He's in the attic now. He's out of the closet. He's in the attic. You're still um, in the closet,
1: though. I'm in the closet. Trapped in a closet. Um, so <laughs> Honestly, every time we log on to our Zoom call and I see you, I'm like, trapped in a closet.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think it every time, too. Uh, so the girls start to clean up. And then uh, Mrs. Mack pulls a secret bottle of sherry out of a book. Um, she's hidden in this, like, library study room.
1: because Sherry is, like, kind of the most innocuous booze. <laughs> it's, like, it's essentially, oh like, God. fancy vinegar. And she's, like, can yeah. anyone know. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, the phone rings I'm, like, again what are you,
1: Niles Crane? But
0: we can't talk about Kelsey Grammer.
1: Oof. I didn't. I um, said Niles Crane. Okay. I'm sorry. Kelsey I forget his name. David.
0: I don't remember. But yeah. Not Cronenberg.
1: D- uh, Kelsey Grammer is a horrible man.
0: Trash human. He's a trash um, human. So the phone rings again. There's so much phone ringing just get ready for more instances of and it. it's like the caller
1: asks because we are conditioned to like having our cell phones on vibrate all the time every time the rotary phone rings i'm like oh yeah it's
0: yeah. jarring <laughs> um and then so the caller asks for jess and then phil says it's peter who is jess's boyfriend she comes to the phone she's says she needs to see him um he says he'll be in room 30 all day and then they say they'll see each other around Two. He says he loves her and Jess says nothing back and then they hang up. And she says I know.
1: Oh yeah, she says I I know. know
0: We'll get into why Peter's the worst.
1: Because uh, my yeah, because my like trash radar is very finely tuned. I was like, trash! Peter's trash. Yeah. Uh, Jess doesn't like him. I don't like him either. So
0: while aggressively brushing her teeth, Mrs. I th- Mac is I looking said, for booze. Mrs.
1: Mac is expressively brushing her teeth, like she is going for it. She's dancing, but it's also like very rough. YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't need to brush that hard. Like let the toothbrush do the work. To quote Doctor Banwell, my childhood dentist. <laughs>
0: Um so she finds more booze in the back of the toilet tank and then she uh swishes it around her half brushed teeth. It's uh, like
1: Listerine but sherry. It's not the worst idea, she, honestly.
0: I guess. Yeah. Uh and then she's still wearing the green muumuu and she hates it and then she says, "Jesus, I wouldn't wear this to have my liver taken out." Uh it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. <laughs> and, and then uh Jess knocks on Claire's door um but she doesn't get an answer and then walks away and then we see behind the door i think or in the attic i don't know where claire is in this claire situation but she's dead
1: still and she's
0: she's still in the room right okay no, so yeah
1: because she's already because the rocking in the chair rocking is upstairs chair, yeah, yeah. So, so i thought I, what i thought it was was a shot where like in house of the devil where you see right. like one person on one side of the room and then on one side of the door and then it pans over. But I guess it was just a cross cut to Claire in the attic. Because right. She's it was just like she's chair. looking for
0: Claire. And then we see Claire dead with the plastic bag still over her head rocking in the rocking chair. We're sorry. The um, last 30 wide seconds open. were
1: kind of asinine. Are bad. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. So her mouth
0: is wide open. Her eyes are wide open. Um, and then a very creepy voice sings "Little Baby
1: Bunting" as we fade it out. It is really creepy. Also, if you were a Twin Peaks fan, you would know that obviously Laura Palmer, when she's discovered in the plastic, is inspired by this shot. I have to. Ooh. I have to make that argument. And if you disagree with me,
0: fine. I agree with you uh, mostly because I've never seen Twin Peaks, but also. Okay, so Almost it was Little Baby
1: Bunting. I said, A Scary Lullaby Plays, and I didn't look into it any further.
0: Little Baby Bunting I didn't find much about. It's an English lullaby. I, I tried looking it up, but not very thoroughly. A so for effort. So we fade out and we fade into a church the next day. It's 1.30 in the afternoon. Um, and then a man checks his watch below and he paces around he gets hit in the face of the snowball and his glasses are knocked off and then a young man approaches and sort of apologizes um and then tries to leave really quickly and then um he the man stops him and says he was supposed to meet his daughter there half an hour ago and then he asks the man if he um knows his daughter claire and that she's in a fraternity close by and he Sorority. says oh yeah that's our sit oh what did i say she's in a sorority, and he is, is in a fraternity. This young man is in a fraternity. Yeah, like the
1: corresponding frat.
0: The sister and brother frat. Yeah, I don't yeah. Understand. I, so whatever um, you guys. Yeah, <laughs> but that he hasn't seen Claire today, um, but she might be inside the building. And then inside the building, we see Phil's boyfriend as Santa, cursing that he and Phil were supposed to go to wade together. Barb, who's uh, in the background, says they've all decided to go skiing instead. And then. Phil's boyfriend, whose name I didn't catch. I don't know. I Um. do know
1: that they mention it at the end of the movie because Chris says, did someone tell Phil's boyfriend? And that's our bad for not recording it, particularly because he's the only black person in the movie that has any lines. We're garbage.
0: Maybe they do say it. Maybe I did write it down for, like, my later on time. Well, let's
1: find out if we're still shitty later on in the notes.
0: Later on. No, I just said Phil's boyfriend.
1: So this is where the movie takes, like, a really unexpected turn for me because I was, so far, um, like, Barb, Jess, Claire, and Phil are all sort of, like, filling archetypes. Like, you know, Phil is studious, Claire is virginal um Barb is outspoken and the drunk and then we have Jess who's like this classical kind of like whole package girl next door vibe. So, right. as a first-time viewer with very little knowledge of the movie previously, I was sorting, sort of expecting to see this follow like traditional s- slasher film archetypes and this like scene just totally turns on the head the direction of the movie in a really like exciting way.
0: Are you talking about? Oh, when Jess the is talking between to, Jess is
1: talking to Peter. Peter. Yeah,
0: right. Well, we see that like Mr. Harrison, Claire's dad. Um, before we see jess and peter together we see mr harrison interact with mrs mack back at the house oh shit i got tired of daddy harrison my bad you guys um who's pretty boring but i do love mrs mack and we get some great mrs mack content um so while they're talking in claire's room he sees that claire is dating someone because she has a picture of chris on her nightstand um and then he's prude and he's upset about all like the imagery in the house and the girls drinking and having a party the night before because there's a glass left over on the nightstand. Mrs. Mack is, puts her hand over a picture of a, a naked couple reenacting a peace sign and she puts her hand over the, the, the guy's butthole yeah. the entire time they're talking. Uh, it's pretty hilarious. And then uh, Mr. Harrison agrees to drop Mrs. Mack off at the store um, so that Mrs. Mac can show him where this, like, uh, this event for underprivileged children is taking and place. And they
1: hate each other.
0: They already hate each other. It's great. he's a prude and she's the coolest person She's ever. just like, uh, I'm s- just
1: trying to fucking survive this job. Like, there are 15 of them. I can't control what they do. But they're, yeah. they're fed. There is a roof over their head. They're, like, I don't know what else you want from me, daddy.
0: Daddy. She goes, dad... So she goes to get her bag, which is really she goes to drink and put on lipstick and she's like cursing and then she hears meowing so she goes to look for Claude and then she's like in the process drops all of her her things on the ground she's still cursing and then Mr. Harrison comes up and gives her a glare and then she goes back downstairs and she also says these broads would hump the leaning tower of Pisa if they could get up there. Uh so same. Be funny. Ding. So, um the two leave and then we see Claire's body in the attic again. And then we're This with is Jess. where my emphatic speech comes into play. So Okay, so <laughs> Jeff and So whoops, a little early. It's okay. Uh that wasn't important to the plot, really. I just really like Mrs. Mack, and I thought Yeah, she was I
1: mean I I think Mrs. Mack is great. I think that um there is a lot... Of, I've experienced a lot of frustration about her characterization as kind of, like, sloppy, drunk. Like, yeah. Like, it's definitely an ageist... Matronly, but not... Yeah. Classist, um, like, depiction. But her character still has a lot of, like, appeal to me. But I don't know if it's a complex character. We'll talk about it we, later, I'm sure. Yeah, we can talk about, like, the
0: the power of the audience as well later on. But... Uh, so Jess is wearing a, f- not a, the fluffiest, pinkest beret known
1: to the earth. There are, there are people who can wear a beret and I would, I would argue that I am just not one of those people. I, I think you could wear it if you, you think wanted so? to, but I can't, I don't want to, so I, I wouldn't, but
0: I'll stick to my dad caps for now. You just um, look so
1: good in a dad cap, it can't be denied.
0: It's natural. Are you my daddy? ding 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 daddy yes.
1: Rebecca <laughs> just kidding you're too um, poor to be my daddy
0: it's true I can't support myself uh so join our patreon <laughs> uh no I'm doing fine guys it's fine uh I sling cocktails really. but
1: bit. join our patreon just the same but
0: join our patreon anyway uh so Peter who is behind a piano in the douchiest green turtleneck which I would probably wear um she outright tells him she's pregnant. And she doesn't want to be. And then he asks how she can make this decision to have an abortion without him, and that he wants to have the baby. She said she she says she can't. She's very firm. And then he says, in the most ironic line, "Don't you ever consider anyone but yourself?" Ha, ha. Peter Jess says she's fuck him. She's thought it out and knows exactly what she's gonna do. Um, Peter asks if she knows how important today is to him and tells her to leave. And then she starts stomping out and he demands to see her tonight so they can discuss it. She doesn't really want to because there's nothing to discuss, but she gives in to seeing him anyway. And then at the party for underprivileged children, I guess, um, yeah, Mr. Harrison. I'm, uh, there's just yeah, like, I'm not really sure what's happening. There's
1: definitely screaming drunk children. Barb is like three sheets and feeding a Actively. 10-year-old champagne. Yeah. I mean,
0: not even 10. That kid is like six. I just
1: don't think they can really be contributing to society that much because they're just getting children drunk. But I can't say what the Greeks are all about.
0: right they're community leaders
1: okay (laughs) it's a great scene of like
0: mr harrison on the phone with barb in the background giving a child champagne it's pretty
1: funny mr Um, harrison is talking to claire's mom and uh just like we don't know we're trying to figure it out we're gonna talk to the cops soon but he's like as much
0: as mr harrison is a prude and judgmental he's also like Pretty meek and mild, and seems like his very character concerned arc about is his daughter. Pretty
1: funny because he yeah. starts out as this like antagonistic grump, and then he just kind of gets ingratiated into the world of the sorority girls and becomes like a crime fighting team with them for a second. And then I,
0: I begin to refer to them as the Scooby Gang later <laughs> yeah, on in my plot like, summary because they're like, nah, 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 like they're all he's uh, like, this jaunting is my new about. Identity. I've
1: never not <laughs> been here. <laughs>
0: Um so at the house Jess answers the phone. Again it's the the creepy caller, but this time they have a high pitched voice that says Billy, um, and they're saying random things, including where did you put Agnes, Billy? They mention a baby, they're talking in different voices. Jess shouts they have the wrong number and hangs up. And then at the police station, um, because they can't find Claire Barb, Phil, and Mr. Harrison demand a cop, do his job, and help find Claire. Um, Barb is...
1: They're talking to Sergeant Nash at the front desk, who is the butt of every joke, but also kind of, like, sinister, because this is actually indicative of what police forces... Of what actually... Across the United States look like. Yeah. Yeah.
0: He's very dismissive. Um, Barb is wearing a great denim blue hat Um, there's so many good outfits so many outfits I'm going to mention them all Uh, he only so then he tells Claire or he tells Barb to shut up and he only wants to talk to Mr. Harrison and that if he really is convinced that his daughter is missing then he has to fill out this form Uh, Barb turns away from the cop and opens a beer, just opens a beer in a police station. It's the holidays, you know, (laughs) it's the holidays. Um, The cop says 90 percent of girls reported missing from the college are found in a cabin somewhere with a boyfriend. Where did you get these statistics, Nash? They're not real.
1: He can't read.
0: Okay. He can't, he can't simply answer the phone and tell someone to do something easy, but we'll get to that later too. Um, so Mrs. Max stumbles back inside <laughs> cause she can't get the door open. Um, uh, and then she's cursing this landlord, I'm assuming who never fixes anything.
1: Oh, relatable. yeah. I mean, landlords um, are the scourge of society. They're leeches. Yeah, for sure. So, um, don't self evict. <laughs> if you got an eviction notice. <laughs> Right.
0: Uh, so Jess tells her about the call, and then Mrs. Mack tells, uh, says no one can find Claire, and then the cops ask, back at the station, the cop asks, Nash, Nash asks Barb for the sorority's number, and she gives him a fake exchange of fellatio, because uh, you used to have to have exchanges instead of and an area codes. And then your phone number was like
1: three numbers, yeah.
0: Yeah, so you'd have, like, letters to designate. I wasn't even alive for when this was a thing. But. No,
1: my my phone number growing up was in the format, which you still find phone numbers in right. at this time. Right, but I do
0: remember this being a thing. Yeah, in my, my dad. In my grandmother's address book, she had, like...
1: That's so cute. Grandmas are um, cool. Yeah, I miss my grandma. Call she your grandma if cool. she's still alive. Yeah. Mine are dead.
0: My mother's mother is dead, and my mother's father, Marie and Bob.
1: Bob. Oh my God, Marie and Bob. They're from, they were. They're from she, Jersey,
0: right? They're from New Jersey. Yeah. Um. That's... And she used to go by Re. That was. They were Ree and Ree, Bob.
1: like uh, she so she invented Rihanna.
0: No, just Ree. just R E. Yeah. Doesn't because she was a very.
1: Rihanna goes. But by not Ree.
0: Ree. Oh, I didn't know. I'm sorry. Okay, I didn't know
1: whatever, do... No, she was
0: a very formidable woman, my grandmother. She was, like, 5'9", um, had a very, like, stern way of talking, and she was taller than my grandpa, who was, like, a very quiet, sweet man. She's, like – she made all the decisions.
1: Did they live in New Jersey until they passed away?
0: No, they moved – they moved to Arizona before my parents and my siblings and I moved, and that's why we moved to Arizona. Cause my, oh, I didn't know so that. So my – Uncle, my mom's brother, moved here, and then my grandparents moved here, and then we moved here, but we don't talk to my uncle anymore, so. Ugh. Actually, no, he's dead. Um, <laughs> anyway. Oh, we all, have um- we all
1: have an uncle that is like, oh, that motherfucker, you know? We don't talk to any of my, my mom's family because they're all racists. So. I don't talk to any of my family because
0: they're all racist. See, so you know, it's complicated. Uh anyway, that's been a, a little look into my life. So, fellatio.
1: Yeah, uh, let's Nash get doesn't back get the on joke.
0: Topic. Jess goes to the hockey rink to talk to Claire's boyfriend Chris, and then he thinks that she's already gone home and Jess tells her him that she's missing. And then, because um,
1: Claire's boyfriend Chris is takes a it, townie, Chris is a townie. He's not. Chris is a townie. a university person, so he's and just he takes it serious. Conveniently found yes. at the hockey rink, I guess that's like a townie that's thing. The, I guess. That's I guess it is, I guess it is like a Canadian thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so. Peter fucks up his audition um so annoyingly it's a very annoying long sweaty scene it's that so i not care boring, about so boring
1: i know uh, and
0: then at the police station
1: Rebecca uh, i have to say when we started this podcast i did not think we would be looking at so many white men just sweating so sweating often. their their balls off i know there's a lot of this
0: movie is very like jump cutty we're like at the hockey station at the police station is, back at the house but at the police station so it is sometimes no. I'm, like
1: i will say jack frost was was pretty jump cutty and that gave me a lot of anxiety and stress Well,
0: writing the plot (laughs) for this I'm like hey we're still at the police station like I'm like okay we're there and then okay so now we're back at the police station
1: my notes don't make a ton of sense For instance, pretty soon we're going to be talking about horny turtles. So maybe we should just keep going. Yes.
0: Can't wait. Um, So back at the police station, we see a different woman telling a lieutenant that her 13 year old daughter is missing. um, But he also doesn't take her seriously. Um, And then Chris bursts in in that fucking jacket again. He's like,
1: I am a white man and you will listen to me. And they do. Right.
0: And he's like, Nash, you son of a bitch. And then Lieutenant, hearing the commotion, walks over. And then it seems that Lieutenant Ken and Chris know each other because Le- Ken asks him about his brother. And then Chris is like, Shut the fuck up. Why haven't you done anything about Claire? She's been missing. Um, back at the house, Mr. Harrison isn't eating. Um, and a drunk Barb tells him that a certain species of turtles can screw for three days. And she's lucky if she gets three minutes.
1: She talks about the turtles for a long time, more time than I needed, than we need to even like (laughs) comment on. But basically. It's like she's being very inappropriate. She's just wasted and then it culminates with her saying like she knows that everybody thinks it's her fault that Mm -hmm. Claire is gone because she was really cruel to Claire uh, and that if she's dead, they're going to blame her. And then they're like, go to bed, bitch.
0: And then Phil's like,
1: let's take you up to bed.
0: Please be quiet. Phil's like, um, I have glasses. Me. I'm serious. <laughs> so you're going to bed. <laughs> yeah. And then we see Peter uh, breaking his piano with okay, a mic stick. OK, first of stick.
1: all, not your property. That's a college practice room. You just busted up someone else's property because you're hurt about your girlfriend like taking agency over her own life. He's going to have like, to pay for that. Oh, but he dies. Gross. Oh, but he's dead
0: whoops spoiler alert uh so chris and jess return to the house and talk to mr harrison the three of them and phil uh form their scooby gang and decide to leave on the way out mrs mack tells phil that she's going to her sisters for the holidays and she might not be back be there when they return um the four of them and some town and some of the town and cops assemble to look for this missing 13 year old girl named janice in the park um and then we see a shadow of the man outside of the house. Um, he sits in front of the, a tree. It's not clear who it is just yet. Um, inside, okay. Mrs. Mack sings to herself while drinking and packing. Uh, Cab pulls up to pick her up and honks, but she thinks she hears Claude, who she hasn't been able to find all day, um, and goes looking for them. For him. She goes up into the attic. Hey, you attic can say them. We
1: don't know how Claude self-identifies. Them, him.
0: Claude, yeah, Claude, the big fluffy cat. Um, So she goes up into the attic, and then we see the man's hands holding a hook. She spots the dead Claire in the corner in the rocking chair, and then she sees the hook just in time to be impaled and drug into the attic um, and admitted. And then the driver, for some reason, we see the driver come up to the door. Oh, yeah, she's uh, called a
1: taxi. Um. Yeah, and
0: then she leaves. He leaves um and then in the attic the pov can you imagine screaming.
1: a taxi fucking caring that much about you like that would never happen. yeah they would
0: have just driven away they would have driven away before like two honks and they're out uh so, and then the back...
1: scooby gang is on the uh on the case but jess gets cold and she heads back to the house without the rest of the gang
0: yeah they're all uh, convening around a trash can fire
1: Oh, sorry. I missed that the slasher in the in the attic is knocking shit over and, like, crying while Claire is rocking yeah, was... in her chair. My bad, Rebecca. Yeah. You know what? That's okay. She's, is, she's screaming is... and
0: knocking stuff over. It's okay. This is
1: your party. I shouldn't have the announced end.
0: No, 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 no. I just steamroll so...
1: you like Peter trying to fucking get <laughs>
0: just to keep that baby. I was talking a long time about the hook. Anyway, so we're outside with the scooby gang and the town. Um, And then a young woman sees something and begins screaming. Everyone rushes over, including the mother um, and Mr. Harrison. And then Mr. We don't see the, the dead girl, but we see Mr. Harrison kind of make a face. And then like the woman curls into herself.
1: She starts weeping. Why do you suppose uh, during this scene, we hear a running motor? What do you think that's supposed to denote? Because the running motor mm-hmm. is really... Um, right.
0: I thought I was going to see like a like a Zamboni or something. Yeah, you the know, running like motor having is really someone.
1: prevalent. Like essentially there's no dialogue because everybody's face is what we're, you know, pinpointing at this time. So we hear this... But then I couldn't...
0: Like, maybe it's supposed to be a generator because they have all the lights on in the park, which is the last place that Janice was seen. So I don't know.
1: But I guess why would the sound be like all we're perceiving during that really pivotal scene is my question. What do you think it means? I think that I know I'm smart enough to have noticed it, but not smart enough to know what it means. And I was counting on you. I'm sorry. I was barely. I I like noticed it, but I didn't even make a note of it. I don't know. I've also
0: like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm. uh did you ever go to uh like like a haunted maze did your town have like a haunted maze?
1: we have the haunted hayride uh you get into a hayride and people give each other handjobs under blankets and you see Gross. like a few there's like a devil that hangs out in the cemetery there is a chainsaw attraction in this barn from mm-hmm. off of the soccer field yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had, I can probably uh, tell you everything about the Woodbury, Connecticut haunted hayride.
0: Oh my god. I will say I,
1: I never got or gave a hand job, so I feel like I've been robbed. I mean gross. Someone got a yeast infection from that. So like That's true. You know.
0: Uh so We have Fear Farm in Arizona. It's like a big West Valley thing. It's like a huge, because there's so much land. It's like a huge haunted maze with like several different parts. Did you go Um, this year? Did they have it? They did have it, but I didn't go. I haven't been since I was in high school, I don't think. Um, But we all used to go, and like the guys who, the like other teenagers who worked at the Fear Farm were always like, Hot and we were always like trying to get their numbers because they were like covered in blood and we're like, dude, come hang out with us in a different parking lot. Yeah, okay, Um, but there was like a chainsaw.
1: Fear Farm has many different attractions. There's one called the Uh Plague, one called Fallout. They change every year. Oh my gosh! Here's my. I'm setting this goal. I'm gonna secret it, manifest it for us right now. I am coming to Phoenix for next Fear Farm season and we'll go. Let's do it. And maybe we'll just
0: move here and then come and then just move here. You then...
1: know that I can't
0: survive the I heat. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Anyway, let's move on. Um, So, at the house, Jess walks in just in time to answer the phone again. Um, You'd think she and the at caller, a certain point. It's like, I'm just not going to pick it up, you know? Don't pick it up. I would never – I don't like answering the phone. As we've said before, I would just I never I have, the
1: phone. Me, like – I have just stared in horror and watched my phone ring, wondering what that person could possibly fucking need from me. (laughs) Also, because my name is ABBY, I get a lot of butt dials from people, because I'm at the top of everyone's address book.
0: I'm sure I've butt dialed you before. I'm notoriously bad, because, like, I don't carry a purse, and my phone is always in my pocket, so I'm like, it's like, you know, my hand hits it on, and then it's on in my pocket, and then just, like, calling everybody in existence. Um... So we hear more of the callers screaming, more shit about Billy. Jess hangs up and then calls the police demanding that they do something about the obscene calls. Um, Peter sneaks it up on her and then says she scared him. Um, and that, He got cold waiting outside, and so he came inside, and he hopes that she's not upset about that. Um, He's an obnoxious dick, and Jess uh, very eloquently and maturely says that he should stop playing games and that he was the one who wanted to talk and asks him to quit attacking her and try to have a rational conversation. Uh, The same dick cop, Nash, is an ass on the phone with Jess um, and says it's probably just a prank, and they're busy with a child who's been murdered in the park. Um, Jess Jess hangs up and then she's upset about Claire missing and the girl who they found murdered, who she was just actively out looking for. Right. She's um, obviously
1: distressed, but Peter has to make the entire situation about his emotions and his experience of the situation instead of acknowledging that she's, you know, feeling some trauma outside of just her pregnancy.
0: Yeah. And he's so dismissive and he talks about...
1: If Jess hadn't killed him, I would kill him. God, he's I would stab the worst. him right in the turtleneck.
0: Um, who, that he's still wearing—he wears this entire time. Uh, so he's decided to leave the conservatory. He tells her they're going to get married, and Claire reminds him that uh, he told her of his dream of being an artist and a musician, and she told him some of hers, and that she still wants to pursue those goals. Um, she, sell, she says that she doesn't want to marry him, and he asks about the baby again. Um, at the station, Nash and the Scooby gang connect—oh, Nash, There's the so Scooby much, gang, and Lieutenant Clark so much connect all the dots. so much right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they go— Lieutenant
1: Clark? I thought it was Lieutenant Fuller.
0: What did I say? Clark?
1: Yeah, who's Clark?
0: No, Ken. That's the—I don't know where I got Ken Clark, Clark, but Ken. I forgot his Clark, last name. Ken. So, Lieutenant You're probably thinking Superman. Ken— who margot kidder was also she was movie. lois
1: lane uh lieutenant fuller aka ken is so hot
0: i disagree ooh, that hair ooh, is, i liked it yeah. is
1: unforgivable
0: i can't get past the hair he's
1: slimy he's got really he slimy pronounced eyebrows he's got suspenders i, like the I love the whole vibe yeah
0: Um, so he, so he is also, like, the most competent of them, but he's still ineffective. But Uh, but still, he's
1: still ACAB, though, yeah.
0: Yeah, Uh, he's like, maybe the phone calls are connected with all the other shit going on. You Um, dumb fuck Nash. You idiot, yeah. And then Lieutenant Ken. Lieutenant Ken says he's going to call the sorority and ask Nash what the number is. Um, and then a cop in the background starts giggling uncontrollably.
1: Uh, this scene gave me a lot to live for. I was like, I'm so happy right now. (laughs) And then Nash is like, yeah, a girl from the sorority
0: gave me the fellatio extension. And then Ken says, it's a new extension. He couldn't, he couldn't wipe his nose without written instructions. Um, and then peter calls jess a selfish bitch and calls abortion murder and blames jess for what she's doing to him he also says that jess is very cavalier and that she's
1: talking about abortion like it's removing a wart one time a guy i was hooking up with who is a huge asshole uh, i like hope some i hope he had like a really bad skin infection but didn't die like i hope just something un- uncomfortable <laughs> happened to him But he would get really wasted and be super, super mean to me. And we were hooking up for a few months and then he kind of like, we kind of like lost contact. And then he drunk texted me at like one in the morning wanting to fuck me. And I was like, no. And when I said no, he turned really, really mean. And Mm -hmm. I donate to Planned Parenthood. So I have like one of their little membership cards. And he was like, he, i guess noticed it and he was like well you work for planned parenthood and uh, i was raised catholic and abortion is murder and i was like how did i fuck you for three months before i fucking Ugh. knew this and because he knows it's embarrassing so yeah, he doesn't say he anything. was just like he'd so wasted when he was texting me so that is like to this day the only person whose number i have like been like blocked i blocked him
0: uh, what was his name I mean, maybe we shouldn't say. His name
1: was Luke, and I hate him. I hate you,
0: Luke. Luke, ugh, what a name! Sounds like a douchebag. But he spelled it L-U-C.
1: Ew. Ew! I know, right? That's it's so gross. embarrassing that he even had sex with him.
0: <laughs> I'm. I had
1: sex with some truly disgusting I people feel like one of every them every week on this podcast is a new edition of who did abby fuck who she should, who <laughs> she should have yeah.
0: one day it'll organically come up i'm pretty sure one of like a a dude that i was really in love with i'm pretty sure he's someone who would have voted for trump so like it's
1: it's all relative you know we've all done some fucked up shit so <laughs> i was talking uh, to my sister just about like being in our 20s and how i pretty sure I'm barren because I've made so many condom mistakes and she was like (laughs) well like she said something about like you use the condoms right and I was like yeah I mean totally (laughs) every time every time (laughs) no
0: I'm a pretty I was I mean not now but when I was younger I was pretty like we must use a condom that was my that was the one uh one little thing that I, I was like, you do whatever you want, but, like, we have to use You're like,
1: this is my identifier. I'm Rebecca. Wear a condom, Mancia. Yeah. I, well, I've told you, like, one of my
0: nicknames is Ethical Rebecca, which is, like, fair. I like that nickname. I, but, yeah, I'm, like, very, we will not, I will not have this. Ooh, not on my watch. I
1: let a lot of things slide a lot of times and <laughs> don't recommend. Yeah, no, I'm not it didn't add anything to my experience of human life. There was
0: one time, I hope my mom isn't listening. Uh, there was one time that uh, I was so drunk that we didn't. And then the next day he was like, yeah, you never let me do that before. I was
1: like, what? I thought we did. What? That's, no, no. we never again. When that happens, the important thing is to make the sexual partner go get the plan B because being, you know, Suck like, them. I don't know. I went go and got the, it by myself. That sucks. I don't want to get it by myself. Like you go do it. You created this problem. I mean, maybe I helped create it, but like I, you know, but come on. I've been through enough. Like go get the plan B. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, to um, this day, proudly can say I've taken plan B multiple times and I've never paid for it. I mean as you shouldn't cheers you know, you to you. Gotta... <laughs> good job Abby thank you so and much thank you so much Random it was cars. like the only thing that I advocated for myself on <laughs> <in> my
0: 20s <laughs> see that's I couldn't do that I didn't want to do that I knew the next day I wouldn't be like
1: you know I'll go, just sneak away sadly um but sometimes you know, you know you just gotta go you know when it's time to go you can feel it yeah
0: yeah regret of the next day. I was also like, as I've said before, a heavy drinker in my youth, so I was always, like, hungover and, like, upset. We're fine,
1: though, uh, now. Everything anyway, yeah. Crazy. My current
0: uh, life partner would never do that to me, so... um Anyway, get you, ask more uh, of your sexual partners and of your sex. Yeah,
1: so. get you a partner that won't marital rape you, I think is what yeah. we want to tell you. That's Yeah, yeah fuck Peter.
0: Um, so, I forgot where we were in this. Um,
1: so, the... Basically, Peter's just like, I... Oh, shit. No, we're on. The, we were talking about Felicia. I'm a man. That's and then, how we so, got here, Felicia.
0: No, we, we, we were on Peter and Jess and the abortion talk. And then oh, yeah. Jess tells him to
1: get the fuck out of the house Peter and he Peter smashed. Okay, so as someone who adores their Christmas tree, my Christmas tree is like the heart and soul of what makes me not have seasonal depression during this time of year. He smashed up their Christmas tree. And I was like, Peter, if you did that in front of me, I would knock your teeth out the socks off. i would knock your socks off i was so <laughs> mad he was disrespecting the, the yuletide traditions
0: he was disrespecting everything in the room everything around him the person the objects he's the worst
1: yeah so it's like peter i'm not fucking changing my mind for the 500th time please get the hell out of here get the fuck out and
0: i jess is very assertive that this is what she's gonna do she doesn't want to talk about it she doesn't want hit to date him anymore because he clearly can't handle this situation that she's made for Jess herself is
1: a feminist icon
0: she is a feminist icon so then the scooby gang comes back um and then as as peter is storming out lieutenant ken kind of like stops and looks at him and he gets you a can weird tell vibe.
1: lieutenant ken is suspicious which she's I'm like, like
0: that's a serial rapist that's good police work because
1: he is an asshole yeah
0: yeah um, so then the cops want to tap the phone, they ask for written permission, um, and then Ken goes around inspecting the house and begins asking about the two women, Claire's whereabouts, the people who have been in and out, etc. Um, he's good-natured about the fellatio thing, uh, because he asks about Barb, and then he's like, she's the one who's at the police station, right? And then he laughs to himself. Um, he gets a contact sheet for everyone, including Mrs. Mac's sister. He puts a watch on the house, and then the phone is successfully fully tapped so he's like at this moment performing pretty effectively although but he does we'll ask he very
1: sexist and coded questions about Claire like does she drink a lot who was she seeing right. and all of these things Besides. that might criminalize her for being the one that's missing because of the people she interacted with I would hope that it's without judgment that he's just like was she fucking
0: anybody else because I just need to go follow up with that person if so but you know it's probably not uh, Peter is a creep and he's still lurking in the trees. Uh, Phil- You're like a pretty normal cry- person, yeah. Yeah, like totally regular. Uh, Phil is crying and she says that she has a feeling that Claire is dead, um, and then she says that she's sick and she- these pills that she's been taking, um, make her tired, so she goes up to bed. There's also, like, a sign on the wall for an Aries, like the astrology sign, that's like in this shot a lot and I meant to look it up and I don't, don't know, know why
1: and it said it also has like Mars and other mm-hmm. planets like symbols listed and I was like well, I wonder why that is and then I never investigated further
0: yeah so who knows Aries Caesars and Aries as I've said people are gonna figure out like everything about my life if they ever I
1: know they're gonna be like uh I know where you live now you probably could tell where I live thankfully no but, one cares
0: um, yeah no one gives a shit uh, so everything is set for the phone tap when the house phone rings the phone will also ring at the police station and then Graham another officer will be at the phone company to see where the call is coming it's from.
1: embarrassing how much watching the scenes of Graham and the phone company like blew my mind because he yes. is running around to like all of these different like physical connections to figure out where it's coming from yeah and I was in like, my notes
0: later on I was like Graham is in a physical room looking for a, like, where the calls go. I was like, what
1: are phones, you guys? I don't even know.
0: (laughs) I have no idea how they work now. I don't know how they worked then. It's, it's truly miraculous. Sometimes I'm like, this is, this piece of nonsense that I'm constantly in my hand and in my pocket is like a miracle the fact and that we phones abuse in
1: 1974 are too complicated for me to understand probably says something about me but i my mind was blown by this honestly wires something about wires. <laughs> what do they I don't do know. how do you tap? <laughs> how did he how did he make the phone ring into the pol- like i'm like i just don't understand it it's too complex it yeah either.
0: I I feel like if we could if we read a manual about it we could figure it out. I'm
1: not no. gonna read a manual about it. I would. But I would never I do would that. Lose no. interest in
0: ten seconds.
1: That's why we have Graham.
0: Uh, that's why Graham's there. We love it's you, Graham. Complicated. Uh, and then we see Claire in the rocking chair again. Now her body is holding a baby doll with a burnt face. What that means, we'll never know. We literally more will never singing, know. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, we'll never know. Uh, more singing of baby bunting, more heavy breathing. Uh, Jess is downstairs alone by the fire. We see the POV of the creeper coming down the stairs um, and then the POV over a sleeping barb. Jess hears some gasping noises and runs to check on Barb, uh, who she gives her inhaler to. Barb says she just had a nightmare that a stranger came into her room. Jess tells her to go back to bed um, because uh, carolers have come to the door, uh, which is like a a nice little respite uh, from all the murder. (laughs) So a gaggle of children. Am I I
1: wrong inside that I would rather watch people get murdered than listen to the carolers for like the two minutes they were on screen? It is a long caroling
0: scene. Uh, they're singing, oh, come all ye faithful, uh, to Jess in her yellow shirt with a black vest over it. Um, that shirt She. Was good. It's also, it was very good. It, like, she's so polite about it, even though, like, a child has been murdered, I know, her I friend wrote, is like, missing. She's, like, she's angelically She's waiting listening. it out,
1: but she's like, you guys need to get the hell out of here. Like, you don't she's even so know awkward. what I've been through. Yeah,
0: yeah she's like. Like, playing with her hair and, like, looking around, it was, like, perfectly how weird it is to be sung at. Like It's it's just so uncomfortable, yeah. Like, when someone sings to you at a restaurant, it's never comfortable. I also think about people
1: who are, like, musically talented that – who sing to their partner at their wedding – Like, you are just sitting there, what, staring into your partner's eyes, trying to pretend like this is fine for three minutes or whatever. Like, how can you really enjoy uh, that experience? Gross. I don't like it. Um, I do, like,
0: you know my friend Claire, speaking of Claire, who's an opera singer. She sings all the time and often sang into my eyes. And I was always like, I never know where to put my face when you do this to me.
1: Although I feel like it's Um, more digestible if it's opera versus, like, Right. And we're usually drunk. Versus so, like, like boys to men or something.
0: Yeah. Um, so <laughs> then we see the POV of the man walking around in the house and into Barb's room where she's again sleeping. She's got this glass unicorn that I said was very, I feel like you would have that in your house.
1: It looks to me like it could be um, a letter Steuben, of the Like Stuben Glass which is a really, like, uh, famous, collectible kind of European glass. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I would have all of these figurines in my house.
0: Mm-hmm. I, but the unicorn has, like, a long stabby part. Very
1: stabby, and it's made pretty clear in advance of the stabbing that this is stabby, and it will be stabby. Mm-hmm. Um. But you know I so I then, love garbage. My house is filled with beautiful, beautiful trash.
0: With beautiful things. Yeah. Um, so then... After the kids uh, finish singing, a woman runs up and tells the the woman who's been singing with the children to get all the kids in the car. She's like, don't you know someone's been
1: murdered? And Jess She's was like, like oh, yeah, no, I life. know someone was murdered, but I'm just enjoying the singing. Everything is fine. But what do you
0: want me to do? <laughs> yeah, she pays them, and then she goes back inside Jess to pick so up the ringing phone. She's, Jess
1: is to tip them. Jess is
0: truly the best final girl Although, I have ever had. Although,
1: you know what? Anytime you can have an opportunity to tip somebody doing a job that you wouldn't want to do, which is why they're doing it, you should tip them. Mm-hmm. Um, tip everyone. You should tip, tip us. Join our Patreon. Tip us. I was gonna say
0: tip me. Um. So. Several voices are on the phone when Jess picks up. Lots of screaming again, and then it says one of the lines. It says is just like having a wart removed, which is something that Peter said to Jess earlier. Um, Jess hangs up out of shock after this happened. She says, "Oh God!" and then hangs up. And Fuller um, and then, Fuller
1: catches it. He knows that she yeah. started at something, and she so had like because a he calls her. Yeah.
0: He calls her after she he after the she hangs up with the caller and is like, "Why did you hang up? That wasn't enough time." And then, he's picked up on it, um, and she lies and said she just got spooked. Um, and then she asks who was at the house earlier when they were arriving, and she says it's her boyfriend. Um, but then there's a scuffle in the background of the police station, and Ken has to go. A man um, shot a police officer with a buckshot because he was, the police officer was on his land and good was trespassing yeah. and didn't uh, didn't tell them. That's exactly what I said. Good for him. Good for him. Um, they should have should have told him of the situation and, and then good the guy for says, you,
1: "Sir, shooting the cop in the butt because that makes it comical and makes the cop look like the dumb fucking asshole that he is."
0: Because he's got his pants down. He's got, like, a towel over his butt. So the cop who got shot in the ass says he's going to pick every last one of these bullets out with his teeth. And then the guy who shot him says, next time you're going to get the gun up your ass. Sideways! And he's, like, got an accent for some inexpressible reason. <laughs> I know. Um, I'm like, aren't we in Toronto? <laughs> Go, excuse me. This is Canada. Why do you have a southern
1: accent? So then back at the house, Phil and Jess are talking about Peter. And they just don't think he is capable of it, though they know Fuller suspects him. But I
0: completely disagree. Uh, and then so, oh, this scene
1: is like blurg, blurred to the max.
0: It's the phone, and it's Peter, and he's crying. And uh, Ken, back at the police station, we see that Ken still wants this one traced. Peter says things like, "You can't kill the baby." Um, Jess asks him where he is, but he hangs up. And then when Ken calls back, she asks what he asks what Peter meant, and then she's like, "You were listening on this call." Um, and then he asked when Peter found out about the baby. And then Jess says, he's just an artist. He's, he's tortured. Um, Ken pushes Jess to tell the truth. And then he asked her if Peter has ever been in the house when the calls came in. And she said, yes, earlier that night, he was here. It couldn't have been him. Um, and then Phil is getting just aspirin and two men creepily come up to the window. Oh, my God. Tell them- I just have
1: to say Phil's nightgown. And she's like, do you want an aspirin? <laughs> <laughs> In the glasses?
0: It's like oh, this so really
1: like, red and white floor-length lace and floral nightgown. How many aspirin do you want? <laughs> I was dying.
0: Uh, and then, so it's two men from the search party. And then Jess remarks that. Like they close the door on them, um, and then Jess is like, "This is the only door in the house." Well, that's I also locked.
1: thought it was like a really fun human moment because they, the like search party guys are just ridiculous. And they close the door and they're like, oh, I'd rather encounter the murderer than those guys. And I they, li- they pretty laugh funny. in this way that's like genuine, like you feel a genuine kinship between them. And I just thought it was like a really nice moment. Fuller uh, is suspicious of Peter, so he calls the Dean of Admissions to get Peter's records. And then back at the house, Phil is locking doors, but the killer is still skulking around in the attic. And then we see phil go into barb's room and the door shuts behind her pretty abruptly
0: i did say that phil's mumu is horrendous i made that note I like there's it. also
1: like what's wrong with me i would wear anything in this movie i mean whatever even the ugliest it's, thing I...
0: <laughs> um there's little alcoholic bottles on the on the wreath in on barb's door i love that funny. wreath
1: i kind of wanted to replicate it yeah
0: Um, So Ken goes to the conservatory because Jess said that when Peter is upset, he often goes there, but no one's there. And then the phone rings again. There is a Um, smash piano there, though. There is a smash piano. Uh, We see the point of view dialing um, just before the ring on the table with a record for the Mount Henry sisters. So this is is when
1: we can pretty much surmise that the calls are coming from inside the house because...
0: Which we already knew. We already like, knew, the audience knew, yeah. Earlier but, uh. when uh. Jess
1: is talking to Lieutenant Fuller about the phone tapping, she does mention that there's an additional phone line in Mrs. Mack's room, and that comes mm-hmm. full circle when we see that the killer is dialing out from Mrs. Mack's room. The astute uh, we viewer hear- would have figured it out, but I did not. Right. <laughs>
0: Um, So there's more fat pig, mommy, Agnes, baby talk. Um, Graham is running around a room, tracing the call. um, And Ken and another cop get in the squad car to leave. Nash says they got a trace on the call and it's coming from, he says the address of the sorority house. And Ken's like, no, you fucking idiot. That's the call, where the call is going to. And then Nash is like, nah, bro, it's going, it's coming from there as well. And then Ken tells, or yeah, Ken tells Nash, to call Jess on the phone and tell her to leave, hey, um, but don't tell her why.
1: Rebecca, does Nash totally bungle it? That's not an Oh, he totally fucks oh, it up. Oh, he does? Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely fucks it up. Um, And then so Jess calls out to Phil but gets no answer, and then the phone rings and it's Nash. He asks if she's alone um, and tells her not to ask questions but do as he says. Um, he says, put down the phone and walk straight out the door. And she's like, okay, I'm going to go get Phil and Barb. He's like, no. The calls are coming from inside the house. And then she drops the receiver as Nash continues calling out to her. She stands Nash up against the front door and screams. 0% He is, like,
1: losing mm-hmm. his cool. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so she's standing up against the front door, like, poised to leave. And she's screaming for her friends. And no one's answering. And then she spots a fireplace poker. And then slowly, shakily starts ascending the staircase. Um, she goes to Barb's room and bursts the door down. And finds Barb and Phil dead in a suggestive position on the bed. Um, She backs out of the room. She hears whispering about Agnes and sees in a very, very creepy scene the eyeball of the killer through the crack in the door. And the killer Um, does,
1: in stature, haircut, etc., look similar to Peter. Right.
0: Because we see, like, when he kills Barb, we see him, like, standing over the... You know, from, not from the point of view, his point of view perspective, but from the perspective of Barb, him, like, coming down and murdering her. Um, And it looks like Peter. So, then, um, Jess slams the door shut on his face, hand, etc., and then she runs downstairs to the front door, but it's locked, and she's, like, in a panic, so she runs... Parallel to the stairs, and the the stalker, like, grabs her hair, which is such a scary thing for me, because I'm I'm always worried about that. It's... Um, and then she locks herself in the basement, and he can't get in, and there's screams and bangs that suddenly stop, and then, um, Jess descends the stairs into the basement, starts looking around, um... And then we see the cops speeding over to the house and then a man come, like a figure of a man comes into view through the basement windows. Um, It's crouching and wiping at the windows. And then um, the man comes up to like like a bigger window and like rubs the frost away. And then we see that it's Peter. He calls out Jess's name. She backs further into the basement. I think this is super she,
1: interesting because we know that Jess, in her gut, doesn't believe that Peter is the murderer, but she is still so threatened by him that instead of encountering him and having it out, she's like so scared that she'll back away from him.
0: I think that Jess does think that he's the killer at this point at because this point. of the wart comment and because Nash just told her that the calls were coming from inside the house. So I think that, like, the entire situation is that she's still threatened and scared of Peter after the whole ornament breaking thing, but now she thinks that he's also the killer because he was in the house earlier
1: when she got the phone call. But, um, but I think even if she doesn't think that, it's still a poignant scene because that she's she backing away is backing from, away from him and senses that he has the capacity to like enact violence against her, whether or not he's capable of murder.
0: So Peter smashes the window in um, and gets into the basement as the cops roll up, go down the stairs, uh, guns drawn, and then we see Peter dead in Jess's lap who's and Jess is passed out. Um, we fade to Jess laying in a bed with um, the she's asleep. And then we hear two men off screen discussing how they didn't think that Jess could kill anyone and how they both knew something was off about Peter um, and then we see that it's Ken and Chris, Claire's boyfriend. Ken asks when he can talk to her and the doctor who's, uh, looking at Jess says it's going to be at least a day because she's knocked out cold. And then Chris, um, asks if anyone's told Phil's boyfriend. Um, and then Mr. Harrison Did you Harrison write the name gets... down or no? No, I didn't. said Whoops. Oops, um, sorry. And then, uh, Mr. Harrison is there. He's in shock. So they're dragging- Ken and Chris drag him out of the room, um, and everyone leaves. And Jess is sleeping on her own. We pan from, the, from her to the bed next door, which is Barb's, and there's still blood. And then we pan up the attic ladder. We hear faint singing and Billy calling out for Agnes again. And then we see that Claire's body is still there, and so is Mrs. Max. Um, and then we pan out the window to the front view of the house, where there's just a cop standing in the front, and then we hear the phone ringing again. Fade out, fade to black. Finally
1: the end. How long have we been talking? A million years? A million years. My favorite part is as we gradually pan out, we still see Claire's plastic bag face mm-hmm. in the upper window in the window. Yeah.
0: It's which a, any
1: cop should be able to see if they look it at it. It seems house. outrageous to me that they didn't search the attic and the fact that they left uh, Jess by herself with just someone outside the house is like totally ridiculous in every way. So,
0: yeah, so we can start and talk about the cops and that, like, Lieutenant Ken is the most competent but still, still incompetent. incompetent and ineffective. Yeah, and that he's like, assertive and protective, but he still dismisses um, Janice, the 13-year-old who's gone missing. Her mother comes to the police station and before, like, he realizes what's going on, he's like, oh, she's probably just, is it? It's only been two hours since she was supposed to be home. She's like, no, she's a good girl, whatever.
1: There's also Uh, like pretty much nothing that points to outside of Peter being violent and uh, having a temper that he can't control. The content of the phone calls doesn't point to Peter being the murderer at all, uh, excepting that there are like snippets of conversation that just experienced with Peter and that are recognizable but it's not very good police work because the attic isn't searched uh, and because the second phone line is ignored and then the Peter even though he is a garbage can that I'm kind of glad died he's still a scapegoat for the real issue which is allowed to go unchecked because the police found a convenient solution that makes sense and they're able to sort of like criminalize someone who is innocent of this uh, because of just convenience, essentially. So, I like just don't
0: understand why they wouldn't check the entire house because uh, one of the sorority sisters is missing. Right, she's still missing. Like, why wouldn't they like? Even if they didn't know that Mrs. Mack never made it to her sisters, but, which is uh, there's like, they a probably missing should person. Have called so her wouldn't you check the
1: entirety of the residence where that missing person exactly. Lives. I just so they're like,
0: I mean, again, a cab
1: cops are ineffectual and at the Um, end of the day jess's fate is ambiguous we don't know if the killer still tries to come for her because the killer knows she is survived he knows because he's inside the house that the police have vacated he could easily murder her and if she does have to defend herself an additional time like she won't have the support of police
0: because she's already killed one oppressor, like Peter yeah, was trying she's, to oppress her, and so she might still have to face more oppressors.
1: And basically the uh, advocacy of the women throughout this entire movie is the only thing that's moved forward, the action of the police, like, and at, to the point where they had to get sort of like, like, they had to get Chris to come in and be their kind of beard to get the cops to hear them, essentially, because right. no one is listening yeah. to them. Uh, And I think it's really telling that this is true in 1974, but if this exact scenario occurs in 2020, I don't think it looks that different, you know? I think that, you know, police still don't listen to women, doctors still don't listen to women, marginalized groups, trans people, non-binary people, people of color are all expected to rely on the system and engage with the system, even though it does nothing for us. And... They did actually do a 2019 remake which I mentioned which has its problems but overall was a pretty fun watch but the the limitations and the experience and the frustrations of the women trying to go to the police to say something is wrong and I understand and I feel that someone I love is missing are the same like still oh Mm -hmm. they're with a boyfriend they're shacked up etc and that's realistic
0: again yeah relying on like this this woman might be promiscuous so she's not worthy of our time and they we also know because Claire mentions in the beginning that a woman was raped recently so like there's been a slew of crime this this teenage girl is missing this college student is missing and the cops still need a man to come in and be like wait look
1: for I my something's going on Uh, On that comment, we can pivot to sort of, which is set up early in the movie, the classism of higher education because Mm -hmm. Barb is convinced that this slew of crimes cannot affect her because she's not a townie, because she has wealth, presumably, because she just decides she's going to go skiing, Mm -hmm. and because she is seeking education. So all of those aspects in her mind make her more worthy of care consideration and life than someone that is a townie so uh that is a really upsetting moment especially for um a pretty like I mean it's a movie made by a cis white man who was like Mm -hmm. in Canada to escape paying taxes so it has its limitations but in general it does do a good job for 1974 so it's disappointing to hear that kind of dialogue come from barb who is a self-possessed uh female with agency that does what she wants right
0: yeah i really want to like barb because she's like the crass slutty like outspoken one who like Is just very complicated and has a complicated relationship with her mother, is an alcoholic, um, etc. But she does say things that are unforgivable, like townies can't be raped because she clearly thinks that she's better than other people. She is not willing to accept that other women have different lifestyle choices than hers, such as Claire Claire not wanting to have sex, um, which is a choice and which is completely fine and should be accepted no matter what
1: community you're in including sororities and and I think and the, so the idea that people that are educated are more worthy of housing jobs yeah food security like that idea persists to this day the idea that I deserve a better job because I got a master's degree or like I deserve more because I had the resources and the capacity to invest more in an education is a total farce that is constructed, right. and we see the roots of it right here as we're looking at, you know, what that kind of outlook on education, classism, and the working class looked like in the seventies, and it's, it's still also, we see it now, you know.
0: Right. It's also like a a point that Chris is also a town. Ta- I'm having deja vu right now. That Chris is also a town. Ta- Do you know what deja vu like- is? It's my brain like misfiring. Yeah, like, to I learned that from Radio yeah. Lab.
1: So scary.
0: Very scary. I've got issues, um, but that like Chris, who's seemingly
1: he might be the killer. We never know, but he actually, might actually fun he's... fact about that. I learned it from Wikipedia. Uh, hmm. When this was originally released in the uh, in Can- Canada, Canadia. in Canada. Canada. And the studio that released it in the U.S. did try to push for revealing Chris as the killer at the end, but Clark retained that it should be ambiguous, so... Because it should be ambiguous. Because it should be. It's a better movie that way. It's a better movie. Uh, So, yeah, even though
0: he might be the killer, who knows, is that, like, he cares about his girlfriend. He's not pushing her to do anything she doesn't want to do. He's supportive. He is very concerned when they can't find her and does everything in his power to to do what he can because he knows the town and so he's using mm-hmm. his class his lower class in order to get these police officers of the place that he presumably grew up to do the things that he needs to do to find a woman that he cares for or to find this little girl because he also joins the rest of the town looking for a little girl who left i so, also think it's who's validating
1: to see chris like have compassion and um like a bond like friendship out independent of his relationship with Claire with her sorority sisters he has compassion for them he experiences like a kinship with them that doesn't have to do with the fact that Claire is missing they clearly have history and they have a friendship Mm. because I think it's just such a move for there to be like antagonism between a you know a woman and her partner's friends or vice versa Mm -hmm. I like and even though it's
0: I love Chris, and even though it's the first time that he's meeting his girlfriend's father, he's like very like okay, this is just something that we need to do. I'm not going to be like awkward about it. I'm just yeah, gonna like something
1: like, is wrong. And join the Scooby
0: Gang, yeah.
1: So Together. yes, classism definitely runs through this movie. Even the man that shoots the cop because he's on his uh, his land to Property. us, <laughs> like to us as you know people that. I, you know, vie for the working class and ex- i experience experienced sympathy and empathy with working class folks. I'm like happy to see that. But I think that it can be perceived as classism. Like you shot a cop because you're stupid, because you're uneducated, because you're working class. So we see that run through this whole movie and It's like Barb gets murdered, and so Barb dies, and she is proved infallible. But that's not what you want as the end result. You want, like, education and growth at the end of the day. Right. And she is... So we can talk more about like the patriarchy
0: and its treatment of women. And even though I see these, we see these women as redeemable characters and women who should have an arc. Mrs. Mac, Barb, they are killed very violently, very sexually. Barb is a slut and she dies a slutty death by mm-hmm. being penetrated by a piece well, of glass. And like
1: She's in a compromising drunk. position. She's yeah. drunk. She's tired. She's asleep. And yeah. uh, Mrs. Mac dies... A super violent death that yeah is pretty hard to watch. It's really sad. The
0: it's very sad. And the of the victims, we don't see the Janice's death, but we can garner from the looks on people's faces it's that it's pretty right. violent and upsetting. And the only man that is killed by presumably killed by the stalker, we don't even know. Peter could have slashed his throat. I kind of think that's true. But is the cop in the seat, and he was killed only so that. The killer could continue his sexual violence against these women. And either way, the two men that
1: die, Peter and the cop that's uh, supposed to be staking out the house, they both die off screen while we're subjected to really sensationalized violent deaths of the women in this movie who are sort of forced into archetypal character arcs, but not exactly. So, my question is We do have some. How much can you. Like I would say this movie is a subversion of the genre for sure. But the slasher structure completely relies on the exploitation of violence against women to thrive. So how much can you subvert a genre that is born out of and based in violence against women for, you know, the entertainment of the masses, essentially? Because we know that these women are complex characters. We're allowed to see it. But we're allowed to see it because we're looking for it. You know, you and I are trying right. to read women as complex and trying to read marginalized characters as complex everywhere we can. But I think that that is just more a uh, like preference of the screenwriter and the director like than it is our true subversion of the genre. Right. And that's what
0: the article that I read Sexism. The sexism is coming from inside the house. It was a good um, article.
1: Let me find the. It was a
0: pretty good article. The author's name. They, it was like a weird link that I couldn't find the author's name for. Um, but they argue that um indulging in these sensational sensationalized deaths um further distance women and makes them the other and further marginalize them and reinforces the linear perspectives but I say just like with every other art form is that the viewer has truly all of the power is that you can create this piece of art and this work and you're only gonna be able to put forth so much it's up to someone else's perspective and that's what it and that's what making art is about is that like we are going to bring our own interpretations to everything and we are the ones who truly hold the power more so than whatever it was intended cuz he could have intended it for to be this like Abortion is wrong and that these women are trying to take away male agency by being crass and loud and having their own opinions. But at but the same time,
1: the the lieutenant um, very obviously sympathizes with the girls over Peter. So I think it is a little right. bit more ambiguous uh, and it is a little bit more subversive than many other movies of the same kind of ilk. Well, yeah. Uh, but it is... Yeah, but then you're then I totally right. Like, like, we see what we want to see. And for me, this movie is a triumph <laughs> in many ways, but it's also right. still a disappointment because we still have barely any of people of, color, pe- co- people of color on screen. Barely any of... You guys, I'm really sorry. Cut it out in post. We have almost <laughs> no people of color on screen. We have... Almost no people of color that are women. Literally no people of color that are women.
0: No. Uh, and, and we see... We are coming from the point of view of the killer. Like, that is who... Right. we don't see the point of view of anybody else. Well, like we are literally in Peter.
1: I think once or twice, which is how he's conflated with the killer. Right, with uh, the killer. But yeah. we don't. But no women. No, we don't experience the point of view of any of the female characters, and we're just kind of like forced to experience the killer's kind of like skulking around the house while we're trying to mm-hmm. sympathize with the women and trying right. to like find common ground with them and be cheering for them.
0: And then it's also, like, the, I don't know, like, the women reduced to just simply sexual objects is, like, again, this killer is clearly sexually motivated, clearly picks weapons that are penetrative, the hook, this fucking letter opener unicorn thing. And, like, it's just, like, with every other slasher film is that, like, sex equals murder and that, like, one is just a placeholder for the other. Right
1: upsetting. And then but, of course um, we have the cool sisterism to classism, ageism, ageism. <laughs> Mrs. McMahon. is <laughs> the house mother, so we by her title already have her sort of narrowed into the role of mother, a mother figure. She is made ridiculous by her age. The way that she dresses particularly when the sorority sisters put her in this like very ugly moo moo that is essentially just a lark her habits her cigarette smoking hiding she's a little round she's fat she's drunk uh so she has no sexual identity she has no uh, agency outside of her role as this sort of like ridiculous mother figure And I mean, she has no power. power. She's set up as comic relief without any complexity. So again, I do. I love her characterization in many ways, but I also struggle with whether she's a complex character or not. And I think that can derive from her origin because Clark based her off of his aunt. So obviously he had kinship affection and love for this role but it just isn't built out enough to be significant and it's frustrating to see the only non you know what's the word conventionally conventionally attractive the only Mm -hmm. non-conventionally attractive woman in the movie relegated to ridiculousness because she's not a sex object for the male gaze either the like general male population cis white male population or the slasher specifically
0: because Mr. Harrison is like so over her bullshit two seconds into the movie, I'm like, she's the fun one, you're the lame one. you suck
1: Mr. Harrison. You suck. Although I, again, I did warm up to Mr. Harrison when he joined the Scooby gang. Right. And he's like, he's
0: very meek and mild and is clearly being pushed around by all these women. He like, has to hear, while his daughter is missing, he has to hear a story about two turtles fucking in a zoo. It's like, I do feel for Mr. Harrison. He's not that bad. Yeah. He's not Nash. And he's not Peter. He's not Nash or Peter. Um,
1: and I feel so, and- I feel for Barb because Barb, I feel for every character. Every character has I complexity. Do. They're built out in ways that make them relatable human beings. Uh, Except for Peter. Barb is kind of more rich than I can relate to. Like I would never treat another right. person that way because I've never been raised with enough money to think I can treat someone that way. Uh, and Peter is also trash. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think it's hard because when you love horror movies, you have the perspective of like women are almost always valueless in horror movies. So when you watch a movie like like this, this is like such a step in the right direction and it's such a validating experience to see these women with identities, families, boyfriends, habits you know, aspirations, all of these things that make up a character, even though really Clark is doing the bare minimum, it just feels like so much more than we usually get. Right. So we celebrate it. So I think we have s- to take it with a grain of salt.
0: It's true. It's like, at least I'm not wearing, like watching this cardboard cutout of a sorority. What, like... American media thinks a sorority girl looks like in like a bikini with blonde hair I'm like listening to this woman be very assertive about what she wants for herself and her body and her future and she's our final girl is like that that's what I want is like a rounded human and as much as there are like so many problems with this movie I still love it a lot and And the first time I ever watched it
1: Oh, tell me. I watched
0: it back to back. I watched it twice. I want to watch it again. I like really, really enjoyed (laughs) it.
1: Yeah, And I think, I mean, the 2019 remake is kind of silly, but I also think that's something that it does really well, which is that it takes these archetypes and moves them into like a 2019-2020 lens. So we do see women of color, uh, women that have experienced sexual assault, women that have experienced marginalization of all kinds, addressing it in a really vocal way you know front on head on way whereas it's more subtle and more incidental in this movie and the remake Mm -hmm. you see people being like this professor is sexist this professor has made me uncomfortable i am a black woman so i'm I'm experiencing marginalization on this campus like it's really it's a good remake it's a different movie but it's a 2020 lens it's a lens where we can say like Okay, yeah, like someone paid attention and made a film that does appeal to like a diverse and sophisticated viewer base that wants like is hungry for this in a horror movie. Mm -hmm. I like it.
0: And we do not have a virginal final girl. Finally. Yeah, finally. We We
1: know she fucks. Fox
0: yeah although which is weird we say finally because this was the first one and like bob clark i've never seen time in horror
1: movies for me yeah <laughs> it's true it's they all I have were never created seen at the same either time. but apparently it is the movie that started like the sexy teen the comedy. teen yeah right Which I have seen plenty of sexy teen
0: movies. And so, like, Bob Clark basically created two entire
1: genres. That are so starkly different from each other. Right. And gets no credit. Everyone's like, Halloween did it first. "Um, Halloween did not do it first, but Halloween did it well. They did do it. I do like Halloween. So should we end Um, on a fact that I found on the Wikipedia?
0: Okay, I do want to say I love Margot Kidder. And she... Justice for Margot sixties. Right, she... Tragically, very sad. died of um, overdose. But she, in her sixties, was protesting the Keystone Pipeline and and was at Standing Rock. Like she's a fu- she she's was a badass. Bernie supporter.
1: Yeah. She was the fucking shit. Dude, okay, now tell me your facts. I wish Margot Kidder were alive today. I think... Me too. I'm going to humbly say she would probably not despise what we're saying right now.
0: Maybe. (laughs) I
1: mean, I hope so. I I fucks with her. I fucks with Margot Kidder. So my final fact, which I learned from Scholarly Journal Wikipedia, thank you, Jamie and Caitlin, uh, is that Olivia Hussey signed on. Olivia Hussey, who plays Jess, signed on to appear in this film because a psychic told her that she would make a film in Canada that earned her a lot of money. Ooh. Olivia Hussey loved her psychic, Good for you. and I love her. I love all of these women. I stand.
0: Yes. Do you have do. any okay. final
1: thoughts, feelings, reactions?
0: I don't. Oh, except for that—the um, person who played uh, Kier Dwella, Dwelle, Duelle? yeah, Dwelle? yeah, it's fine. Uh, who played Peter was also in 2001: Space Odyssey.
1: I watched that in a science fiction English class like, literary class that I took in college, and I fell asleep. Mm-hmm. And when I woke up, I, I was like, this is really weird.
0: Uh, I love... I, I mean, I we all know my problem problematic fave can't Stanley Kubrick but um.
1: that's so funny because I'm listening to Lolita podcast right now and they just started diving Uh-oh. in. Okay, so uh, Jamie Loftus, <laughs> who I love, who's the host of the Bechtel cast, she made a podcast about Lolita, which I attempted to read in college but never finished because I love her. Uh, I read the book and it I couldn't wait for it to be over. I was like dying inside the whole time. But mm-hmm. uh, she has been really saying like amazing salient things that are uh, like super helpful in contextualizing the book and digesting it. But she just mm-hmm. started talking about Stanley Kubrick's remake of Lolita, His which um, if he's your problematic fave, have you seen it? No, I've never seen it. No, that. but apparently Nabokov himself wrote the screenplay. So I'm very curious mm. to watch it. Uh, it's there's a lot going on lolita has really fucked with my psyche to be honest with you i'm all over the place i believe that i um i just could watch the shining uh forever dude that movie basically killed shelly duvall I he know full and I love Sean tortured her like really he tortured, tortured her. her and she and didn't that's ever why I have a problem with him.
0: <laughs> I know. He he took down a woman in his pursuit of art and that's not right or fair and I don't agree with it and But it is
1: a really great movie. I just
0: like watch it and I drool cuz so it's so good, beautiful. Yeah. But um every it's, scene. That and that, that's have I t- to
1: her, man.
0: It shouldn't have and he shouldn't have done that to her and he could have gotten a good performance out of her a different way. Um, because I love Shelly Duvall and her big teeth. I myself have big teeth, and I get it,
1: you know? I feel sad that that happened. It's pretty heartbreaking. I, I feel sad for well, Shelley Duvall. we should talk about it really for realsies someday, when we're
0: grown-ups. We'll do The Shining um, when we're grown-ups. And not babies. We're
1: babies. Okay, please <laughs> follow us on Instagram at spooky succubus underscore cast. Uh, please head to our link tree over there where you can listen to us on Apple and Spotify. Please tell your friends. I don't have any friends left to tell. They're tired of hearing about it. So you, whoever you are, you can help. Thank you. And please sign up for our Patreon. Are you still here? Uh- <laughs> yeah, I don't think they are. We've just been doing so many episodes <laughs> drunk and just like talking about nothing People are probably yeah. like, "Um, this isn't adding anything is to stupid. my life experience." So we'll be back next week in 2021 with American Psycho. I've never seen it before. Ooh. I'm watching it for the first time, and Rebecca wants to bang Christian Bale in this movie. So I
0: want to. I like. I just like love listening to him talk in this movie. Like, just wait until you hear like his slurred speech. You can like hear the spit like just around his his what clams. Is with the It's sweaty. great. Saliva. We're going to listen White to so men. many sweaty men.
1: Uh, we, ha-
0: You have to pick some because I've picked a lot and I feel really bad that I'm making you watch Jack Frost and American Psycho. So to be fair, I feel one. like
1: you didn't remember Shannon Elizabeth getting raped I by I did not remember. Man, and that was the thing that took the whole experience down for me. It was Truly, I didn't remember. Uh, okay. But we're going to have a lot of juicy favorites coming up. And my birthday is January 15th. So we're doing an extra special Ooh. episode for that day. I'm old bitches. I'm ready for it. I can't wait. All right. Thank you guys so much for being here with us. We did a really sappy text to each other last night that I'm going to read right now. <laughs> read it. Okay. My
0: laptop's at 7%. We
1: so have just read fast. enough time to read this text. So... I really miss Rebecca, and I texted Rebecca. Well, I have to scroll through a lot of garbage to get to it. (laughs) A lot of Chris garbage? No, I sent you, like, a picture of a Santa Claus claymation. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I said, I miss you. I wish we could hang out in real life. And Rebecca said, I miss you, too. I wish we could go cry at a bar like the good old times we did a lot of crying in bars we do i cry said we have the best bonding times crying in bars about our moms but i'm super proud of us for our pod and for staying connected it warms my heart and then i she goes i loved them i'm proud of us too i think you're doing a great job and i said this is tender and she said, "We're precious." <laughs> so even if you haven't li- you're not listening anymore. I'm really proud of you, us. They're done. Yeah. I really am. I feel like it's the we're in the Christmas spirit. It's the holiday. I love you so much. I'm so happy this is happening. I love you too. I'm also very happy,
0: and I love all of you. If any of you are still listening, in 30 years, people will be like re-listening to our episodes. That's what I Isn't want. Isn't it
1: cool that we know we're going to be friends till we're dead? yeah there's a few people can't that you like you dead. just know i can't wait to be dead either <laughs> <laughs> on that have a safe and happy and healthy new year stay inside don't get coronavirus take care is it of yourselves still thing?
0: are we over it now yeah right <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> god this is america
1: see you in the new year babies bye, bye.